0: a losing streak for the pacers three in a row their longest of the season what is going wrong for this team and why are their vets bruce brown miles turner and buddy healed rough weekends for all three struggling so much ethan krieger joins us we're talking about it all today on the locked on pacers podcast
2: you are locked on pacers your daily indiana pacers podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
0: Happy Monday, y'all, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today, we have got to talk about the worst Pacers stretch of the season, a brutal weekend, double-digit losses in Minnesota, in Washington. Minnesota, you can forgive Washington, you can't if you're this team. Three losses in a row, their longest losing streak of the season. Tyrese Halberd didn't play Saturday, but a lot's still going wrong for this team. Vets not playing particularly well. All at the same time, Pacers can't have that. Their inconsistent play is back. Ethan Krieger's going to join us. Finally, I've been dying to have him back on to talk about all of it. Can they get out of this funk? What will it take? for Bruce Brown, Miles Turner, and Buddy Heald to raise their level again. And how about this? A positive Jairus Walker. An awesome weekend, the best of his season. we we'll are talking about it all today on Locked on Pacers. Let's go. We've been trying to set this up for forever. Finally, it's time, and the Pacers decide to poo-poo to end their week and make our conversation less exciting. It's Ethan Krieger, formerly of the greatest Pacers website of all time, the Fieldhouse, and 8.9 seconds. Ethan, the Pacers are not playing well right now.
2: Yeah, they're really not. And I'm not super surprised um, after the uh, in-season tournament championship. This is something I've kind of postured to like some group chats and stuff, just wondering if there'd be any sort of championship game kind of like hangover as the team kind of, you know, doesn't have a full off season to navigate the feelings of kind of losing a championship style game and has to just kind of jump back in. So unfortunately, not super surprised, but it still has been a little bit rougher than I expected
0: still. That is exactly right, right? Like, losing to the Bucks, I predicted that. I didn't think they'd play well that night. After the two times they beat them already, a lot happened that game still, but, like, very emotional game. Okay. Right. Minnesota to end a six-game road trip on a back-to-back with travel for both. I did not expect them to win their game. I predicted that before the season. And Halberd didn't play. Double win. Right. The reason that this feels so bad... They played the Wizards in between those two games, Ethan, Mm -hmm. and they looked Mm -hmm. awful on Friday night. It was, to me, people are saying their worst. For me, second worst game of the season. They played worse against Orlando to me at home, but it doesn't matter. One of their worst performances of the season at a time that, like, that was the cupcake game to recover between these two tough opponents. And they have not been playing well. They lost by double digits in all three of their games this weekend. And to me, obviously, Halberton getting hurt is the highlight thing. We'll see if he can play Monday. I don't know. The fact that he was listed questionable is at least someone encouraging. To me, the highlight of it is that the vets, the guys that they would rely on for consistent or at least hopefully consistent production, have all been struggling at the same time. Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, Bruce Brown, all not playing well right now. Do you want to start with any of them? Do you have any big thoughts on a single one of them you would like to start with?
2: Um, I think we should start with Miles. Okay. Um, just because to me, he has been the least concerning to me. Agreed. Um, definitely has had a like rough stretch kind of sense, like the championship game, but I think Miles more than anyone is just the guy on, on the team that will get stuff kind of sorted out. Um, I don't know, like he's, he's not been shooting well, but he's always kind of like coming on with his shot, like his whole. Pacers tenure. Um, so really for me, I think he's going to level set, um, buddy and Bruce to me, just not being able to hit threes like this entire month has really been brutal. Yeah. Um, and really think if, if they're playing up to their normal like standards versus the Lakers in that title game, Pacers very well could have won it. And I think they are playing a very key role in what's kind of gone, gone wrong since then for sure.
0: I agree. I think you are dead right about Miles as well. So the thing about Miles that's interesting, right? He was really good in the three games leading up to this weekend, right? Milwaukee uh, in the semifinals, 26 and 10. He was fantastic in that game despite not making threes. In Detroit, he had 23 and 8, 10 for 15 from the field, right? That's a great night. Three blocks in both of those games. And then in Milwaukee, he had 22 and 9. He hit both of his threes. Like, those are good Miles Turner games. This weekend, of course, I'm lumping him in because he didn't play well. Four for 17 from the field, was not hitting his threes very well. Nine total rebounds. He didn't play a lot of minutes. Some of that is because they were getting blown out. Some of that's because Isaiah Jackson was just flat out better. And so they lost his minutes by 32 points combined in the two games. He is a factor in their current right-this-second micro-level issues from the two losses they had this weekend. But right before that, he was playing well. The the only thing it is for me with him is – They lose to Toronto by one on the 22nd of November, right before Thanksgiving. He goes two for three from deep in that game. Since Thanksgiving, Miles Turner is shooting 25.6% from three, right? Like that is it. Everything else looks good statistically. Eight and a half rebounds, 17 points, hitting his twos, getting the foul line over four times per game. Like all this stuff is fine. He's just got to make the threes (laughs) and they haven't gone in for now, very close to a month. And so that's the only really thing I wanted to talk about with him because he's the one I agree with you. I'm the least, for lack of a better term, concerned about. I would like right. to go to Bruce Brown next, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. A lot yeah. of, lot of, I don't know if this is the right term, angst from fans about Bruce Brown recently. I think it sort of warranted. He's not playing well. So he had thirty points in Miami without Halberton, his best game of the season by far. They get there, a very important win that game. With his performance. I thought last night in Minnesota, he was good. 17, 5 and 2, 8 for 14 from the field. It wasn't their lead ball handler a lot without Halliburton. So, so far without Halliburton, hey, Bruce Brown can help. In between those games, not including the title game, five games where he was, these are his splits 34% from the field, not threes, the mm-hmm. field, 7.7% <laughs> from three. This is a five game stretch. 73.7% from the foul line, 9.4 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. So my usual thesis with Bruce Brown is he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He does, he's not the most accurate shooter, clearly, as I just read. He's still on the season at 46, 32, 80 splits. The threes you'd like to be better, but that's not like atrocious. This stretch, though, has not the shots have not been going in. The thing that was concerning to me in Washington is he didn't do any of the other stuff that usually makes him good. He had four, two, and one in in 23 minutes right like even in the milwaukee loss he had eight rebounds and nine assists in the detroit win he had nine rebounds against boston in the quarterfinal win where he was three for 10 from the field he had eight rebounds and four assists and three blocks right like most nights the thing that makes bruce brown valuable isn't necessarily that he's gonna shoot six for eight or six for nine from the field it's that he's gonna do lots of other stuff that helps the team that's the kind of stuff that has fallen away is that extra impact of bruce brown kind of stuff and so when he's already a roller coaster shooter, to put it mildly, that has been concerning. So when he's lead ball handling, that's gone well, but especially with Miles and Buddy, who we'll get to in a second, not playing well. They need him to be more consistent, and that has not been the case.
2: Right, because you're totally right. It's really not just like the scoring and shooting that you bring bring a Bruce Brown type player in for. He's kind of like that, uh, like uh, you know. Jack of all trades, um, useful on, on, on both ends, but really, I mean, I don't know, in in this starting lineup and in this offense that has been so good for him to just be shooting, I, I checked uh, this month from three, he's shooting 27%, Oof. not Oof. great. Oof. Um, Yeah, so definitely, I mean, that should, be, you know, kind of, you know, get back to where it should be at some point, just the, you know, law of... Well, I have a question. What is
0: is Bruce Brown's should be from three? Because last year with Denver, with Jokic, was the first Mm -hmm. time that his volume and accuracy was kind of like, oh, maybe he can't. Like, I don't know what to expect. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and that's completely fair. And I think that is where a lot of kind of, I guess, the angst of Pacers Twitter and, you know, fans has kind of been coming from lately because – I don't know, Bruce. Bruce's value, if you just look at his box score, is kind of hard to like quantify because he is not that like you know stat sheet stuffer that you're gonna get twenty and and ten each, each night from. Like he's kind of useful in in different ways, and when his shot isn't falling and he is making this much money and he's brought in to be like your not missing piece, but like that, you know, role player piece that is going to help get you to that next level. And this is kind of how he's been the last several games. I understand being concerned, but I don't know. I, I really am trying to not get too concerned about any of these guys right now, just kind of coming off of that championship loss and, you know, just all of that frustration and and like the feelings that I'm sure the team kind of went through after that loss and everything, I do just think they all just kind of need need some time to kind of re regroup and re like re- like rethink their roles and everything, and honestly, maybe not like we might not get that till February when they actually get like some extended time off to really like. I don't know, get, get um, kind of get their heads right and everything. But I, I really think a lot of people are kind of not factoring in just how important losing that game was to what they've kind of, you know, shown us in these last few games since
0: then. Hey, y'all I have to take a quick little break to talk to you about prize picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America who make it easy. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections. Watch your winnings roll in. For example, you can take Luka Doncic to score more than or less than 32 points, or LeBron James for more or less than seven assists. It's that simple. With basketball season here, you can do combo projections with basketball and football. For example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made plus receptions. They even offer a reboot policy so your entries stay in play. Even if one of your players gets injured, how about that? You can get rebooted. The only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance policies. Go to prizepix.com slash Use the code Lockdown NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepix.com slash Use the code LOCKEDONNBA for a first deposit match up to $100 at prize Picks Daily Fantasy Sports, Made Easy.
2: Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it?
0: I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly,
2: everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.
0: Yeah, the Wizards game was so brutal too, just like structurally for the losing streak for their schedule. Just like 14 and 10. After six in a row on the road, including the tournament championship game and the one home game in that stretch being the Boston Celtics, it's like, that's fine. You're coming back home. You've got some easier opponents before the end of the month because January's were good stuff. Like they needed that game. And the problem is from the whole season, they keep dropping those need to win it games, right? Like, (laughs) and they've, they've recovered from like, I want to pull it up while I'm talking because this blew my mind about their their uh, st- record against over 500 and under 500 opponents this season. But, like, they keep doing this where clearly they can beat anybody, but they can also lose to anybody. And so in stretches like this where they just need one win, it looks so much more exaggerated. Okay, they're 7th in the East right now, right? 13 and 11. Right. They're half a game out of 6 They're one game out of 5th. Whatever. It's December 17th. Okay. Versus 500 and above teams. Right. So the best teams in the league, they are right. seven and six. That seven wins is third in the East behind only Boston and Milwaukee. That is the third best record in the Eastern Conference against teams over 500. A winning record that's very good against teams below 500. So teams you should beat if you're the Pacers and you think you're good. They are six and five against teams below 500, which, right. if for those of you doing math, is worse than every team above them in the standings, is worse than the Cavs, the Nets. Is the same as the Raptors, worse than the Hawks, worse than the Bulls, and very similar to the Hornets, right? Like that is their season. Which one of those numbers is real? Maybe they are just by the nature of being the best offense and one of the worst defenses going to do this all season, but that is like, very tenuous and then you can have weekends like this where everybody looks bad at the same time and you're on the bad end of things they needed that wizards win so i agree with but most of the things you just said about bruce for some context for fans by the way i'm i'm guilty of this myself right now this season i get that the last month has been different than the full season because we're about two months in he is actually above his career average for true shooting percentage and above his career average for usage Right, like he's not right. like this high-efficiency offensive player. That's not a good thing. To be clear, I'm not like excusing his play, but just like right. th- that part of his game, like putting the ball into the basket, he's gotten better throughout his career. But like this is kind of who he is. It's the rest of the stuff that's got to happen too. Okay, oof, oof, oof. Buddy healed. <laughs> Buddy healed. I will start with oof. You're gonna you're yeah. gonna think I'm lying in a second. I'm gonna give you two stats consecutively. The first one okay. is Buddy Heald's shooting splits since he entered the starting lineup in Atlanta. They are 47, 38, 90. That sounds kind of good. That's nice. Sure. That we're at a month. That's that was November 21st. But if you'll recall, Ethan and the listeners, the first three games of the that stretch. In Atlanta, 6-for-6 six six from deep, 9-of-11 for the field. Against Toronto, 12-for-17 from the field, 7-for-12 from deep. And then against Detroit in the in-season tournament, their final group stage game, 6-for-11 from the field, 3-for-6 from deep. Cut out those three games. Right. Let's just slash those first three. So now we're talking since they lost to Portland on November 27th. Buddy healed in nine games. 37% from the field, 26% from deep, 87.5% from the foul line, 10.1 points, 3.3 rebounds, 2.6 assists. Whew. One yep. no, sorry, two games over 50% from deep. Sorry, let me be more clear about the number I just said. Two games over 30% from deep. That is Buddy Hield's game. If he's not doing that, there's just not a ton of value to what he does on the floor. I, I have more thoughts about why I think he's playing the level, the amount he is. But I would like you to react to what I just said and Buddy Hield's level this last month. Because man, is it. Yeah.
2: It has been gross, and it's been hard to watch lots of nights, too, because, yeah, that is really what Buddy is on the floor for, is shooting and scoring. And, yeah, when he's at, like, 30% for this month or whatever and just putting up 10 points a game, and he's starting in place of Matherin, which I know lots of people have feelings about, too, it is is—it's frustrating and it's concerning for sure. Um, he is a guy that... I mean, you know, it's just one of the best shooters in the entire league and has been for years, so should correct itself at some point as well. But how how long is this slump gonna continue? I'm not sure. Um, hasn't shown any positive signs recently. And I don't know. I yep. I, I was somebody that was fine with him starting in in place of Ben. I get that Ben, you know, is still a little bit raw. He's not quite there yet. And I like him coming off the bench and just, you know, kind of getting to to light up a you know, second unit that he's playing against. But at a certain point, you do have to wonder if that switch is made back and Ben is put back in Buddy's uh, place in the starting five, if Buddy just kind of continues to, to shoot and score like this. It's been pretty rough, for sure.
0: And perfect timing for that because Matherin's playing great right now, right? Now, mm-hmm. right? Like yep. He's had a really solid week since the in-season tournament. Okay, so let, let me... Let me just say some things about Buddy Hill to to contextualize stuff. That's good podcasting, right? Let me say some things. Um okay. <laughs> so, thing one is Quinn Buckner said this during the Minnesota game, right? He like Buddy Hill had two, I think of his threes go like halfway down and out during that game mm-hmm. and Quinn Buckner kept saying something to the effect of like he just needs like one one success, like one Thing And it'll click again for him. And I kind of agree with that. Mm-hmm. We saw this this season. Short, short memory for all of us. Okay. Five games from November 8th to November 11th. Buddy healed had the following splits. 30% from the field, 23.7% from deep. And he was one for one from the Fenland. So that doesn't count. That was the Utah, Milwaukee, Philly, Philly, Orlando stretch. He was not playing well during that time. And then he exploded out of it when he had those three like insane games right after that like his track record to me has earned the benefit of the doubt of he is going to get out of this funk at some point. The question is when, but you you have to have him on the floor for him to get out of it, right? Like, sure. so, so it's, it's, it's you kind of have to take your lumps. The problem is what well, we, we've already said this shooting is his thing, right? So if he's not doing that, your lumps are really bad because, <laughs> Even though he's been like he's gone from like a fifth percentile defender to, like fifteenth this season, he still is not like providing you a ton. He had zero points in Minnesota, right? Like he has to give you something, and if the shot's not falling at all, he's not giving you much at all. So he at the bare minimumist level, he has to hit like thirty seven and a half percent from deep, right? And and he's not yep. even there. So I think you have to keep playing him a, a, a decent amount. Because he will get out right. of it, like we've seen the track record of it. But man, it, just because he gives you so little elsewhere, it's really hard because you you have to change up a lot of your rotation when he's not out there. But then you lose a lot of spacing and you lose a lot of your firepower. And I get that he's better with Albert and they didn't have him Saturday. But it's just this level is, is terrible. And it's coincided with Bruce Brown and Miles Turner also not having a good run.
2: Right. For sure. And, and you know, that he, I'm sure desperately wants to get out of this funk, just <laughs> even just coming from the perspective yes. of it being a contract season and everything. Oh, like, yes, he needs a- to get, you know, needs to go back to his typical buddy form to ensure that he gets what he's looking for this summer, whether it's from the Pacers or whoever. So it is going to work itself at some, or it, it is going to work itself out at some point. It is just going to be hard. And I am totally with you. Like, Pacers should keep playing him so he can just kind of shoot himself out of this, but how many more games is it going to take? And what is that going to do to the Pacers chances of of winning like over these next few games could be rough on this, like current, uh, you know, like uh, three, like three game skid and they're playing the Clippers next. Like they've got their work cut out for them for sure. So um, yeah, a lot kind of hinges on, on buddy getting this stuff kind of sorted out as quickly as possible.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's, I mean, he's the shooter, right? He's the reason they have shooting capabilities. They went in Detroit, their only win of this last week on their road trip. And it was the best shooting game of him by far of the week. Like, that's mm-hmm. not a coincidence. And you see yep. the minute drops a little bit. And some of that's that they had tons of garbage time in these last couple of games. But like, he was hovering around 30 to high 20s in that stretch after he started really hot. And then last week it was 30, 26, 27, 18 in Minnesota. Although uh, the Minnesota game was just. <laughs> just awful so right. <laughs> i mean I, I i'm out of stuff to say about those three but just a, a quick glance at the pacers roster and if you sort by age now that uh james johnson has appeared in a game he has ruined all my fun details <laughs> of, of ages congrats to james johnson 15 years in the nba is quite the achievement. Yeah. their oldest players are tj mcconnell buddy healed miles turner bruce brown right <laughs> everyone else was born in 1998 or later tj mcconnell's playing well but, like, 75% of their vets, who you're relying on, are not playing well at the same time. You're going to lose games like that, and that's not to excuse their play. That's just the reality for the Pacers. They've lost three in a row, and they need these guys to be better. That simple. One more break here, guys, we can talk about the lovely people over at FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Speaking of hot, the Colts still in the playoff mix. Big win over the Steelers Saturday. Right now, new customers on FanDuel can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. How about that? $5, you win that bet, you get $150 in bonus bets. 150 bucks if your team wins. That's a lot of smackaroos. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time than right now to get in on the action. They have an app. It's super easy to use. They have a wide range of betting options, including your faves, player props, spreads, over-unders, and more, and a chance to win $150. So visit FanDuel.com lockdown for that offer. And kick off the ongoing NFL season, NBA, NHL, whatever you like, it's on there on FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. The
2: NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Do you think, Ethan? This goes kind of goes back to our over under five hundred thing. That these are real problems or just a funk? Because for Buddy, I think it's just a funk. But if it keeps going for a while, it's very bad. Um, but in general, as a team, losing three in a row, our longest losing streak of the season. Are these real problems and they need to make quick lineup changes or do you kind of think, eh, they'll figure it out in the next couple of games?
2: I think it's more of a funk personally. Um, I mean, this team obviously has problems that are well known at this point, like specifically on the uh, defensive end of the court (laughs) for sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Shocking. Um, But really I think everything kind of recently are more just symptoms of a young team that might kind of be just, not hitting that wall, but just reaching the point of the season where other teams are also just kind of starting to like figure things out with them too. We've seen like uh, Tyrese, you know, having different, uh, looks on him that he's had to, yep. like had to kind of navigate and everything as well. So I think right now is more just, you know, growing pains. And I, I still keep bringing up that, uh, the championship game from last Saturday and just still think that that is still factoring in a little bit too. So, um, really think it's more just growing pains and sort of a a funk right now. I do think they're going to get it figured out. I don't know what that means for where they're going to, you know, kind of finish this season out at. Um, I think, you know, where they're kind of sitting right now is where lots of people kind of thought they would end up at the end of the season, like that 7-8, like kind of play-in type team. And we have seen that they're capable of being more this season for sure. So, um, really think it's just kind of, you know, they're kind of hit, they've just kind of hit that point in this season where they've got to get, you know, some other stuff figured out. It's going to take, you know, Rick just kind of working some of his magic to get them back to where they need to be and everything. But I'm not super concerned yet. Um, I don't, I don't really think it's a a sign of any problems outside of what we've seen to this point in in, like prior to this kind of rough patch recently. Um, so more, more of just a like funk right now,
0: I'd say. So I will join you on team funk, but I will also say that like, this would not surprise me at all. Right. Here's our upcoming stretch of opponents. The Clippers, the current hottest team in the NBA, which is wild, by the way, that's I wish this was locked on (laughs) Clippers just for this. They play the Clippers Monday and they play Charlotte, Memphis, but Ja will be presumably back Orlando who kicked their butt, but you know, whatever, uh, Houston, Chicago, New York to close out the month. Like, that's tough-ish, but, like, some winnable games in there. Like, it would not surprise me at all if they, like, beat the Clippers, beat the Grizzlies, beat the Rockets, beat the Knicks, and then lost to, like, the Bulls and <laughs> and, uh, and the and the Grizzlies and the Hornets in there. Like, it would just – that would be the, the the Pacers' way this season of breaking out of the funk is, like, they, they have a level where they can beat anybody anytime. We'll see if, what right. Halbert's health status is. But they can also lose to anybody anytime. So it's really hard to say. Losing three in a row could just be like, yep, yeah, this is what this team is. We've seen this all season. And in that case, the answer is real problems of young, not good enough team yet to beat anybody. So I'm kind of on Team Funk just because I think we have enough track record of, especially with Miles uh, and Buddy shooting, that they can be much better than what they've been, and then Buddy's just got to make shots. But it has not not been pretty. You know what has been pretty, Ethan? Jairus Walker. Jairus Walker! Congratulations to the young man uh far and away i would say the best game of his career in minnesota saturday night and he earned that because he played very well in washington too rick carlisle said that he earned the minutes he was the 10th guy in the 10 van rotation against the wizards jared walker two for four hit a three two rebounds plus eight in his five points there he played 13 21 which is significant that was his third most minutes of the season at the time, it was second. He played a ton in Orlando because the Pacers were getting just slaughtered. <laughs> <that night. laughs> and he played well enough and defended capably enough, which is important. We'll talk about that in a second. That Rick said, you know what? we got to play him a lot more in Minnesota. And, yeah, they're gassed. It's a six-game of a road trip. It's a third or four nights on the road. 24 minutes, over half of an NBA game for the first time ever. Two for three from the field. Hits a three. Two rebounds. Three assists. The passing looks great. Two steals. Yeah. Five points. They actually – he played half the game in an 18-point loss, and they lost his minutes by only four. So they got smoked in the half of the game. He wasn't in there. Jairus Walker ascending a little bit for the Pacers. Good stuff. Ethan, I don't know if fully healthy he he is going to be in the rotation still, but he now has a better argument, and I'll explain why in a second. But first, what have you thought of what Jairus Walker did this weekend?
2: Yeah, I have thought that he's been super fun, and I've loved what I've what I've seen from him uh, recently. He was the guy going into the draft that was my favorite target for this Pacers team, just based on where like where where they were picking and like kind of the needs that they had. And kind of pre-draft, I expected him to be a little bit more pro ready than what we've kind of seen like to start this season. Me too. Uh, Kind of came in and looked like a lot more raw than I thought and just like a lot more kind of like like jittery and you know just not not quite ready yet and I really think going to Fort Wayne and playing some games there and just seeing some shots go down and just getting like you know that that run with like Fort Wayne looks like it really helped him out because yeah these last two games he's you know actually hit some shots his passing looks good he just looks more settled um and yeah i really really hope this continues i still don't think he's a guy that you can you know depend on once the team is like you know great. back to back to how they should be performing um but it is definitely a great sign to see what he's done these last cu- couple of games and i know lots of people have been waiting for him to to actually get some playing time with this pacer's team and right now looks like yeah like it might be close to like to time to you know, actually giving him some like um like some more minutes and, and everything. So that's been great, great to see for sure.
0: Yeah, that is if you want to be, you know, glass half full person from three game losing streak, this is the thing that you would point to. I as a data guy hate small sample sizes. And I hate that Jairus Walker went 0 for five in five minutes on opening night against the Wizards like first game jitters, whatever. Right. Because since right. then he's shooting 52 point two percent from the field. Like, that's pretty good. The threes aren't awesome, but like, he, he's he been efficient enough. The Madden stuff has clearly helped him. So, here's the deal, right? People have been talking about him playing all season. And I have said this, and I've said, well, people keep saying he should play because of his defense. He's not a good defensive player right now, right? Rookies right. aren't good defenders. He has not been a good right. defender. If you think he should be playing because you think the Pacers should be full development, yes, I agree with that. I thought he would be in the rotation this season. I said that before the season. If you think he should be playing, Prior to this weekend, let me be clear, because you think he'll help them on defense. I don't agree with that. Now, here's what stood out to me this weekend. Like, obviously, he did a lot of good statistical stuff. This was his best defensive weekend of the season. Mm-hmm. That was the growth that I think was important is that it was like, oh, he's, o- he's okay on Cat right now. Like, he's moving well. He's getting, he had two steals against Minnesota. Like, he's in the right spots. The thing that stood out in the G League games is like, I always called him a defensive playmaker. Like, he would try to disrupt stuff. When he, even when he does or doesn't succeed in that, he just like really naturally knows how to drift back to being in the play and still guarding his man. Like his instincts are good on defense. And so he finally this weekend showed me some stuff that I was like, okay, now that his defense has a little bit of, of life to it in the pros again, I think probably if they're fully healthy, he's got 11 for them. But there is a much. I think the case for playing him now is stronger than it was last Thursday, mostly because of the defense. Beyond anything else he did this weekend, it wasn't awesome, but it was better.
2: Right, for sure. Yeah, because prior to to this weekend, like you know, kind of just saw a lot from fans just saying, you know, play like play Jarius, he'll you know, just a lot of clamoring from like Pacers Twitter, whatever. And I've kind of been on on the team of he's not ready yet like he's not even close he's not playable and he's he did prove me wrong in these last two games for sure i still think yep. he's he's you know just barely past playable now so like i don't <laughs> think he's someone that you want to give like 20 plus minutes per night but 5 or 10 here like in non garbage time minutes just to like kind of throw him out there see what he can do i i think is to- totally fine now hopefully so we'll we'll see what Rick kind of does with him moving forward, but it is awesome to see that he might be kind of like turn, not quite fully turning that corner, but he's working his way towards there for sure.
0: Agreed. I think that's big for them. At least it's like a discussion now of, you know, again, if you think they should just lean into development and play him, like that, I can get on board with. If you think they should play him because he helps them win, I don't agree with that. But at least now it's a discussion, and I'm more inclined mm-hmm. to have it now. After the beginning, yep. I'm also. This is I don't know what the right word is. His great weekend is the story of like the positives for the Pacers weekend. Isaiah Jackson just had the best maybe consecutive game stretch of his life. I mean, he was mm-hmm. awesome. Like this is uh, this weekend was all the stuff that is like everybody who's been a believer in him his whole career is like, yeah, that <laughs> that is the Isaiah Jackson that everybody kind of hoped would exist. 20 and 13 against the Wizards, 12 and f- 12, 3 and 4 assists against Minnesota, didn't miss a shot in Minnesota, 10 for 13 against the Wizards. Phenomenal defense. Beat a guy off the dribble on a drive against the Wizards. I, <laughs> I, I I we don't have enough time to squeeze him in, but I have to say that I mean that that was far and away his best consecutive games of the season. I, I Jalen Smith's going to get his spot back when he returns from injury, but man, as I say Jackson making a case. Um give me some some sentences before we get out of here on the Clippers tonight who are Killing it. Killing it right now. Um,
2: I don't have high hopes. Uh, <laughs> we don't know if Ty is playing yet or not. Correct. Right? We he's do not know that It's kind of questionable. So if he's out, it's close to a guaranteed loss for sure. If he's in, it's still going to be an uphill battle for sure. I was somebody that thought that the Clippers bringing in Harden was one of the worst things that they could possibly do. <laughs> it is working out right now so so well for them, and I'm like just shocked for sure. So um, definitely think this one tonight is a loss, whether or not Tyrese plays, hopefully it's at least competitive and we can see some positive movement from guys like Buddy and Bruce kind of getting back to how, how they should be. So that's kind of what I'm most hoping for in, in this game is just guys getting back to the players that we know that they are and that we know that they can be so that they can kind of get back on track moving forward. But I don't think it's going to result in a win tonight kind of regardless of who's actually playing.
0: Yeah. I don't think they're going to win. The Clippers are on fire. They lost to the Warriors on November 30th and they're undefeated mm-hmm. in December. That's ridiculous. They beat Denver in there. They beat Golden State in there. They beat the Kings who are playing well. They beat the Knicks by 22 a couple nights ago. They're killing it. They're really tough to beat now, and the Pacers do not have the point of attack. Defenders just stay in front of all of their many ridiculous attackers. We'll see how this one goes. I'm looking forward to it. I, like you, will not predict a Pacers win. <laughs> They've won a lot of games this season. Where I'm like, yeah, they. I don't think they can win yeah. this one. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> this is the hardest team to predict individual nights at, for me, like of any Pacers team <laughs> I've
2: covered. So. They really are, which is at least always fun, because you never know what's going to happen. But It'd be nice to get some more consistency at at some point for sure.
0: Agreed. Ethan, this was great. We finally did it. We finally did did it. it. I got you in between (laughs) your concerts. I feel so rude for taking your time. Where can people find you and your many thoughts about the Indiana Pacers? Uh,
2: at Krieger sports on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it these. Don't days. say but X.
0: No one say I'm, X. Yeah.
2: I'm I'm so sorry. Well, it's on the <laughs> screen. It says X on the screen. I know. But yeah, so
0: I have no control over that. <laughs> all right. All right. Fair
2: enough. But yeah, that's where I'm at. Uh, not currently writing or, or anything. So if you just want to see my thoughts on basketball, find me there. And I try to talk to everybody that I can on there as well. So hit me up.
0: Ethan was a part of the field house, which means he is forever grandfathered into Pacers Twitter's legendary status. Ethan, this was very fun. Thank you for the time. I am on Twitter, as it's known, at Tony R.E. This podcast is there at Locked on Pacers. Back tomorrow talking Pacers Clippers. If Tyrese Halliburton plays, whatever happens in that game, rotation stuff, I've got a lot of stuff to talk about. That's all coming. Thank you all for listening today. We'll see you soon. Hey,
2: Prime members.